Ion 2020, episode 116. So, you know how I'm always talking about this idea that we should be out here spreading liberty and talking to people and doing something for liberty, right? And then I'm also featuring some podcasts and some websites that I find that are from people that are doing things within the libertarian movement and making a real difference. Well, there's a podcast I found called Culture of Peace, and you guys are going to love this one. It's actually the gentleman's the host's name, his name is Luke Tatum, and he's been doing this, he's up to episode 31 right now. It looks like he puts out a podcast every week, but I've been listening to it, and I really like the show. You guys will like it as well. What he's doing is he's out there talking to people and interviewing them about what they're doing in libertarian movement. So you guys will really like this. I think that it's something that you guys should really check out. It's called Culture of Peace, and it's with Luke Tatum. Have 2020 Vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? It's Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope that uh, you'll keep on coming back every single day listening to this show. We've been seeing lots and lots of new people coming on board, and I appreciate all my new listeners, all those that may not have uh, listened to the show in the past. Go ahead if you can. If you'd like, go ahead and listen to some other shows as well. I have multiple other shows ahead of this one. Some of the earlier ones, you know, I was brand new at this thing, and they were terrible. Uh, still am terrible, I'm sure, but I'm getting better, and that's the goal every single day. If you're in this world, is to try to become a little bit better, better at whatever you're doing, whether it's uh, golfing or swimming or hiking or you know making a podcast. Go ahead and uh, get a little bit better at your job every day and so forth. That's what I'm trying to do uh, with this podcast. I've been putting out some you know content that's focusing on a lot of the issues and the candidates in the election process that's going on for 2020, but I've also been trying to challenge you guys to get out there and uh, basically get out there and tell other people about the message of liberty, and I think that's something that uh, I feel I feel very strongly about. I feel very strongly about that because, you know, it's we have a message that's, that can resonate with people, a message of liberty, a message of peace, a, me- a message that is worthy for, for us to talk about. So that's why I've been out here just trying to push people towards that idea of telling your friends, telling your family about it. Maybe start your own podcast. Maybe start your own website. Maybe, I mean, there's there's a host of things you can do. There's an absolute host of things that you can do that can maybe spread the word just a little bit more. Maybe not of political liberty, but maybe if it's just, you know, doing something like what I saw on chosen the chosenweeds.com. 
So you guys know that I put out a call out on a couple of different Facebook pages and so forth in order to kind of get a general idea from other people what they're doing to spread the message of liberty. And I was trying to feature some, I'm trying to feature some podcasts, some websites, and just some real stories of what people are doing. And I came across one, it was thechosenweeds.com, and it's, the lady's name is Stephanie, and she started this thing. She's a nutritionist, she's an outdoors person, um, but she has a driving desire for truth. And then she says, my passion of and of knowledge and understanding has led me down a path that I would have never imagined a few years ago, a journey where my beliefs have repeatedly been put to the test through many hardships. This journey has created in me a deep passion for ethical and sustainable living. Right now we are raising Nubian dairy goats, chickens, and have started what I hope to be a sustainable food forest on my property. Our goal is to be as self-sustainable as possible, greatly increasing the quality of food that we consume and serve and help like-minded individuals that I come into contact with. That's amazing what she's doing. She's not talking about liberty and libertarian principles, anything political whatsoever. She's just trying to help like-minded people that she comes into contact with live a more sustainable life. Be self-sustainable so that you can live outside of government. But she doesn't even mention government on there. She just is doing it because that's her beliefs. That's her that's her motivation. So I think it's a great website. Uh, she sells 100% goat milk soaps, which I think is pretty cool. And let me dig into that as well because that it seems like that's what they're selling that somebody like you can go in. And I guess that's what's sustaining her as well is selling the soaps, but also it looks like they're selling chickens and goats and so forth. And uh, you can buy the soaps. They're 100% handmade goat milk soaps, and they're supposed to be really good for your skin. No, there's no harsh chemicals in them and so forth. So check out that website, thechosenweeds.com. I'll put that in the show notes page as well. So yeah, after putting out this call to action, I just feel like I'm getting a lot of people that are wanting to share their stories and share their things that they're doing in order to move liberty forward. You don't have to be the political person. You don't have to be. Stephanie's not the political person doing it. Never mentioned one time libertarianism or libertarian principles, but I just think it's you can do something that's going to help move the libertarian movement forward for people around you, for your friends, and that's why I've been talking a lot about that lately, but I don't want to bore you with that, so if I'm just going way out there too many times talking about it, just let me know, and uh, you can do that at ray at iontheempire.com, that is my email address, ray at iontheempire.com, reach out to me with your stories though, I'll feature those things on the podcast as well, things that you've done maybe locally for your community, because that's where it really comes from, is the community. The community is where the changes are going to be made. The culture is where the changes are going to be made. We can change the culture of our communities that will eventually lead to politicians having to accept that. Having to accept that we're going to have a smaller government. That Having to accept that they're going to have a less intrusive government locally, nationally, and internationally even. So that's the most important thing. And one of the places that our government completely has intruded though and that's what I wanted to talk about today is in the drug war the war on drugs an absolutely intrusive debacle and I'll show you guys why when I make the case for that 
But first, go ahead if you can, subscribe to the show if you like what you hear. If you're a first-time listener, that's great. Keep on coming back, and you can do that simply by subscribing to the show on whatever podcatcher you're listening through. And then if you like what you hear, I'd love to see you give a five-star rating and review. That's always the thing that I ask for because that helps out with the algorithms as well so that I can, that, so that the show will be heard by more people. Share it with your friends also. And if you want to check me out, iontheempire.com is the website. And you could also type in iontheempire on either Twitter or Facebook and you'll find me there also. So, the war on drugs, how does that relate to the presidential election coming up? Well, first of all, the only candidate that is not for legalization of marijuana is Joe Biden, just so you guys know. Well, obviously Donald Trump is not as well because he could have he could have made that happen already, but Joe Biden is the only one on the Democratic ticket that's trying to become president that is not specifically for the um, legalization of marijuana. It says in a Time magazine article about five days ago, it was published on June 7th, 2019, and that is the title of the article. It says, Democratic presidential candidates mostly agree on marijuana legalization, the exception Joe Biden. So that is a losing issue for Joe Biden because that the culture is moving towards marijuana legalization. It is. I mean, alcohol during Prohibition, people still drank alcohol. Marijuana, there's a prohibition against that. But people still smoke marijuana. And there's many good uses for marijuana. It's not just to get high. It's not just to you know, for recreational uses. There is medical uses for it as well. There's people that have major issues that use marijuana for that reason. And who is the federal government to tell that person that they can't use a plant in order to, you know, cure their ailment? I don't think that there should be any prohibition on marijuana. And let's dig into this, though. Let's dig into the reason why. The reason why the war on drugs is a failure and the reason why culture is starting to move away away from the prohibition of these drugs on the federal level and the, the things that are happening in our culture that are going to make it so that people start to realize that the federal government having such strict control of these substances is a terrible thing. And has ruined society in some ways. And has ruined people's lives in some ways. So let's dig into that. But that's how it relates to the presidential election in 2020. Is back in 2016, Joe, you know, Hillary Clinton was running. And she was not for the legalization of marijuana. She never talked about it. Bernie Sanders gave some lip service to it. But three years later, it is... Something that every... 23 Democrats are for the legalization of marijuana. Excuse me, 22 of them. 23 are running. 22 of them are for the legalization of marijuana, and one of them is not, Joe Biden. So things are changing. That is something... The next president, if it's not... If it's not Donald Trump, will most likely legalize marijuana. I bet Donald Trump will ultimately have to legalize marijuana as well. 
It's something that the states are doing on their own in blatant disregard to federal law, which is good. It's absolutely, it's absolutely important that they do because it is a law that ruins people's lives. And let's dig into that and see why. I put, I took about a bunch of notes on this for the last couple of days because I want to do this episode for a while. And Rachel from Cannab- Can- Cannabis Heals Me podcast really kind of ins- listened to her show a lot, really kind of inspired me to at least do a show on this for my listeners as well. And I want to focus in on the war on drugs. I'm not just going to focus it on cannabis because I think that the war on drugs has been detrimental to our society. So let's talk, look at the, let's look at what the war on drugs is. Uh, the war on drugs, it's a campaign led by the U.S. federal government of drug prohibition, military aid, and military intervention with the stated aim of being to reduce the illegal drug trade in the United States. So it's for drug prohibition. So they've, pro, they've made prohibition on all drugs. All drugs that they schedule as, you know, schedule one narcotics, I guess is the term. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Uh, but obviously one of those is marijuana, one of those is cocaine, one of those is heroin, right? Morphine. We don't have, I mean, crystal meth is hardly ever used in the past. But now with, with prohibition of cocaine, making it very hard to get, crystal meth becomes the drug of choice for some of those people. But you wouldn't have that if there was no prohibition. So the prohibition, has it, has it worked though? So the, the campaign led by the U.S. government to reduce drug use. So they pro, can you still get drugs everywhere in the United States? Absolutely. Military aid. Yeah, they are giving lots of military aid to the countries over there in Colombia and South America in order to eradicate the fields of crops that are being produced by these people that are producing these drugs. That's true. In Mexico, same thing. Lots and lots of military aid causing a lot of chaos within those countries in the first place. I mean, just watch Narcos. Just watch Narcos <laughs> on, on Netflix. Absolutely, you'll see that. And then mili- military intervention, and that's true. We've intervened in these countries. We have told them who their leaders should be because of the war on drugs. It's a huge burden on our society, on the things that have happened. It's true, but if you go over to Afghanistan, we protect their poppy fields. So it's only if it's politically expedient will we do that. Only if it's allowed. And it's terrible. So let's move on. So the term the war on drugs was popularized by media shortly after a press conference given on June 8, 1971 by President Richard Nixon the day after publication of a special message from President Nixon to the Congress on drug abuse prevention and control, during which he declared drug use public enemy number one. So drug use is the public enemy number one, not getting out of Vietnam. Remember, Vietnam is going on at this time. Public enemy number one, drug use. A lot of these soldiers are coming back from Vietnam addicted to heroin, addicted to drugs. 
addicted to the opiates because they were very easily accessible there. And they're coming back and they're just trying to clear their minds. They're trying to forget the terror that they struck on these people in in Vietnam. They're trying to come to terms with these, you know, these demons that are probably in their minds from what they were forced to do over in Vietnam. That's guaranteed true. And while they're there, when they have some leave, when they have some a chance, they're shooting up heroin. They're doing what it takes to to just cope with the pain, you know? And then same thing with these soldiers that are, you know, they they come back, they've been they've had limbs amputated, they've have major problems of pain and so forth and the, and they're using morphine and different things to help to quell those pains and then they're cut off from that particular drug because their doctor won't prescribe it to them anymore and they they resort to using heroin you know and uh so vietnam maybe is the reason why they had a drug epidemic in 1971 in the first place so president nixon instead of treating the soldiers instead of treating the people Instead of maybe making some changes to some things that America's doing to help these people, he declares a war on drugs, makes them all criminals for what they're doing. And they're already criminals, it's already illegal, but now it's a war on drugs. They're going to start giving the police officers around the country the ability to have SWAT teams and go in and raid places. Like, it's just... It didn't start off like that right off in 1971, but as the ball starts rolling, you know bureaucracy just starts getting bigger over in time, right? So in 1971, it's a small bureaucracy. Maybe they're funding a few countries in order to help to quell the drug trades. But it just gets bigger and bigger. And there's more people saying, hey, look, this is what we need to do. We need to do more. So they start adding more funding to this drug war. To the point now that it's $51 billion annually. $51 billion annually. And what has it done? Has it has it made it so there's less drugs? Has it made it so there's less drug use? Absolutely not. It's made more criminals of people who get caught with possession of these drugs. That's all it's done. So the initiatives that they initially said they were going to prevent new addicts, has that happened Probably not. They actually say about the addiction thing, like, everyone that uses heroin doesn't specifically get addicted to it, per se, because people use it for different reasons. Everyone that uses cocaine doesn't become a crackhead on the streets. People use it recreationally all the time. Same thing with marijuana. They use it recreationally all the time. Not every single person is the pothead in his mom's cellar that can't come out and just smokes pot all day. There's plenty of people that use it for just recreational purposes, just like alcohol. Same thing. Not every person that uses alcohol is a raging alcoholic. That their life is falling apart because of it. But you don't see people robbing the liquor store for a little bit of a little bit of booze. You don't see one liquor store shooting up the other liquor store because they took control of their turf. You don't see any of that. Has it prevented new addicts? Absolutely not. The war on drugs has been a failure in that way. Also, rehabilitation of those who are addicted. Are you kidding me? 
are they rehabilitating those that are getting or that are addicted? Absolutely not. So I get pulled over by a police officer and I have a little bit of heroin in a little baggie and I get arrested for it. They put me in jail. I'm handcuffed. I'm fingerprinted. I'm put into the system. And if I'm lucky, I get out in six months. That's how it is. Now I'm in the system. So I get out of jail and I'm having a hard time getting a job. My family left me. I'm in dire straits. I have to go find myself a weekly apartment rental at some trashy hotel where everyone else is heroin junkies as well. And now I'm thrown right back into that system. And now I have a criminal record on top of that. So I can't get the job at the restaurant that I want to get a job at. So I can't make the moves that I want to make in order to get away from heroin. Because I realized the plight. I realized the problem. Maybe while I was in jail. But I wasn't rehabilitated. No, this is a failure. Absolutely a failure. The war on drugs is a failure in that respect. So they wanted to prevent new addicts. They want to rehabilitate those that are addicted. That was was two of the goals. And then listen to this. Eradication of drugs. Yeah, they may have helped with the eradication of drugs in some of these fields overseas in different places. But the, the drug trade still happens. The demand is there. It's a black market, though. So you want to eradicate drugs? Impossible. If there's a demand there, someone's going to fill it. What happens when there's less weed coming into the country? Less marijuana coming into the country? You get that synthetic weed that kills people. In the, in, you get that synthetic weed that's made in China of some chemical that works on your cannab- you know, the cannabinoid system or whatever it's called. And... Someone's dead in the hospital because of it. Because it was a bad batch or something. Marijuana has never killed a single person, yet they limit the amount that comes in the United States. There's a limited amount. They, they, the war on drugs has maybe been successful for a little while, so the price is going up. People are looking for a new way to get high. And they try new things. Oh, yeah, it smells like it. But it's just some leaf sprayed with some chemical that kills you. Eradication of drugs. They haven't eradicated any drugs. They say a high school student can get it has an easier time buying weed or buying cocaine, probably, or buying some roofies or some, uh, you know, some painkiller or something like that. Then they do having the ability to go get some alcohol at the store. It's just the way it is. Eradication of drugs. They haven't eradicated drugs at all. It's a failure absolutely a failure the war on drugs is a failure and then talk about that prohibition that's the other thing they wanted to prohibit the use of drugs by making it illegal so all it does is send it to the black market all it does is send it to the black market that encourages them to flourish in the black market outside of the law so what happens this drug dealer has to protect his turf. And he can't go... There, there's no licensing or anything like that, which obviously as a libertarian we don't technically agree with licensing, but there's no common law to protect that person who's selling the drugs. 
and this is my neighborhood, and I have my four guys working for me, selling on the corners, and then some other kid ends up on the corner, how do we get rid of him? Well, we beat him up. We beat him up. Tell him to get the hell away. Well, he goes back and gets his four or five guys, and they come back, and fists and blows, that that doesn't work now. We need to bring some guns. Bang, bang, boom. Someone's dead. I mean, it it happened during prohibition of alcohol in the 1920s. I mean, we talk about that all the time. Prohibition did not work for alcohol. Why? All it did is it causes crime. It gives the crime bosses the ability to profit off of something that's in the black market that people have a huge demand for. A huge demand for it. People want to get high. People want to use their drugs. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. They want to use it. There's going to be a demand for it. And that's the truth. And somebody's going to fulfill that demand. Somebody will. Somebody's going to profit off of that demand. Somebody will. Every single time. It's impossible to... They, they say, cut the head off the snake, right? Get rid of the person that's, stu- that, that's selling the drugs and you'll get rid of all the other little guys below him as well. But someone else pops up in that person's place every single time. It's not going to go away. Prohibition, all it does is causes crime. All it does is causes people to fight over turf. Gangs have the ability to profit big time off of this stuff now. And we need to realize that and realize that there's a better way. There is. There's an absolute better way. So America has less than 5% of the population of the world, but nearly 25% of the incarcerated people in the world. Is that insane or what? We have, I, I think I, somebody said it on a podcast I listened to the other day, but it was like, and I've done, a, I've done some research on this as well. There's like three, three million people in jail and prison in America, three million. And like half of those people, half of those people are in prison for drug use, drug possession drug selling, small amounts or whatever. Half of those people, victimless crime, an absolute victimless crime, and half of those people are in prison for that. We're the land of the free and the home of the brave, guys. We are. Supposedly. Yet we have more people in prison than Canada, China, Spain, and Australia put together. China. China is... An absolute dictatorship, communist place, whatever you want to call it, right? And they have one-fifth of the people in prison than we do. One-fifth of the people in prison that we do. Absolutely insane that we live in America, the, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Yet, we have more people in prison than any other country in the world. Russia is the next one below us. That's 400, you know... 430 per every 100,000 people in their country. We are the number one incarcerator of people, and most of those people that are incarcerated are because of a victimless crime. But we're the land of the free and the home of the brave. And it's the drug war that's caused that, guys. It absolutely is.
We have misguided drug laws that give harsh sentencing to people. You get caught a couple times with some cocaine. Boom, you're in prison for 10 to 15 years. You get out of there, you want to better yourself? You can't get a student loan. You can't get any type of grants or nothing. Because the government prohibits that. Yeah, we have some harsh drug laws in this country caused by the war on drugs that has failed, utterly failed. And here we are talking about being the land of the free of the home of the brave. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We need to end the drug war. We need to end these bad policies. We need to look at a different way. And hopefully, hopefully as culture changes with marijuana laws, as we start to see that, like everyone's freaks out. The, the people that are against legaling mar- legalizing marijuana, they freak out. Oh, it's going to be terrible. People are going to be smoking pot everywhere. But that's not true. Yeah, you might have places like, you know, Colorado or Denver specifically, where a lot of people have moved there that want to have that freedom. So you're going to have more an influx at that point, maybe. And same thing with the Netherlands, where people from all over Europe, they'll go there to smoke marijuana legally. But that's in very distinct spots. They go to the sh- they go to those little head shops and the the, sh- the 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 shops that sell it. I've been there. It's not chaos in the streets at all. It's actually a beautiful place to go. Go to Amsterdam, beautiful place. People smoke a little bit of pot in those in those coffee shops, have some good times. But it's not chaos in the streets or anything like that. Same thing with I'm sure I've, I haven't been to. Colorado since they legalized it. But I've heard positive things about it as well. Because it's no different. Actually, I was talking with some friends about this the other day. And I said it's no different than alcohol use. No different. And one of the friends says, well, yeah, it is. It's actually safer than alcohol use. And it's true. Like, you don't end up having marijuana poisoning after a night of drinking. Or a night of smoking pot. But if you drink way too much alcohol, you have alcohol poisoning. You're puking in the bathroom the next day. Sick the entire day. So, hopefully, by the fact that we're going to be you know, legalizing marijuana soon, maybe it'll start to loosen up the grip of the federal government on this, on this war on drugs that they have. Maybe somehow... The people that are seeing the seeing the effects of the war on drugs, and then once once marijuana is legalized, maybe people the culture will start to change and say maybe the federal government doesn't need to regulate this stuff so much. Maybe there's a way, a better way, through if anything education and rehabilitation of people who maybe have the addiction problem, just like alcohol. You have plenty of places to go to treat your addiction if you're an alcoholic. If you are having a serious... There's plenty of alcoholics out there. Marijuana or alcohol is legal. There's plenty of them out there. When they realize it, when they hit rock bottom, they go to Alcoholics Anonymous or some type of treatment and they get the help that they need. And it's the same way with drug use as well. But those people are in the black market. They're scared, I'm sure, to admit it. So that's what we need to do, is demand that our leaders end the war on drugs, not just marijuana, 
but all drugs. And that might be a extreme position. But it's the position that takes it out of the black market and puts it into a place where we're going to lower the crime rate because of it and make the entire country better because of that. So um, get out there and demand that of your leaders, though. That's something that we can do today. We always, I always talk about it, like, let's do something. Well, that's something we could do today. We can start pushing for the ending of ending the, the war on drugs. Lots of people would understand that. You go to any Democrat and they're going to agree with you on a lot of that, those issues. Even most Republicans probably feel the same way as well. Because culture is changing. We're changing the culture. So, and then we could use that as a stepping stone to say, see what an authoritarian government does? We talk about black markets being bad when it comes to drugs. Well, let's talk about other black markets that are formed when we have, you know, high minimum wage laws. And now it's illegal to hire someone for less than $15 an hour, and it causes a black market. When we talk about getting rid of, or making it so that if there's only a 15% max you can charge for credit and interest rate, the max 15% interest rate, when you make it illegal to charge someone 16%, you get a black market. If black markets are bad for drugs, they're also they're also terrible for the credit markets as well. Because then you have broken legs if you don't pay. Instead of just digging someone's credit score. So we have those things that we can talk about. But we can make that a good lead-in to other stuff as well with our friends. So, But hey, keep on doing what you're doing. I know a lot of you guys are starting to get out there and tell your friends about the, sh- the uh, you know... The message of liberty. Tell your friends about the show as well. Make sure that you, I mean, you know, if, if you have an idea, go ahead and let me know about it. Ray at IamTheEmpire.com. If that's something that you're doing every day, if you're out there telling people about liberty, let me know about that. If you have some ideas that you want to throw around, you know, we could we could build build upon this thing, man. If you have an idea, let me know what your idea is. Maybe I can give you some good advice Maybe we can set up some work groups and things of that nature, you know? The mastermind groups. I think is that what, that's what they call them. Set up a mastermind group of like 10 or 12 of us that kind of get together and come up with new ideas, bring other people in and get their ideas and, you know, feel, start getting this ball rolling. Uh, it's already rolling. I mean, we have so many people that are out there doing great things for this movement, so... Contact me. Let me know what you're doing. But hey, I appreciate you listening to the show. Keep on listening. You can do that by subscribing. And then come back tomorrow and you will have clear vision for 2020. Hey guys, before we jump into the show, I would like to tell you guys about another podcast that I found called Cannabis Heals Me. And you know I've been featuring podcasts lately on my show. And the reason why is because I just want to bring out a little bit of information to you about other people that are doing something for the libertarian movement so maybe it'll inspire you to do something as well so this show cannabis heals me the host rachel she puts together episodes based upon the healing properties of cannabis and she does shows where she interviews 
guests who talk about how cannabis has helped them. One of them is about cancer, one of them is about PTSD, another one is about postpartum depression. And she also interviews people on her Thursday show that have a libertarian mindset about cannabis with regards to the war on drugs, Julie nullification, and so forth. It's a very good show to listen to. This woman is out there really putting together a fantastic show for you, working very hard to make sure that it comes across in a way that'll help to change the stigma around marijuana use. And I think what she's doing is great. So if you guys want to give that show a listen, I certainly would appreciate that. And uh, I'll be listening. So why don't you guys go and listen too?